God bless you. Thank you. you. Maybe seated this morning. Amen. As you have a seat, our children are going to be dismissed to Children's Church this morning. And I'm just going to tell you, we have a gift here today. Miss Deborah Schmidt, she is with us today. And she said, you know what I want to do? If it's all right with you, I want to teach Children's Church. And I said, I'm sorry, um, you're not allowed to do that anymore. No. I said, of course, that would be such a gift. Isn't that a gift, y'all? We love you, Miss Deborah. That's going to comfort her heart as it comforts ours. Worship team, y'all did so good this morning. And y'all had a heavy burden. Thank you. You set the stage for us. We love you for, for that. Miss Kim, I don't know how you did it. Miss Kim, for many years, uh, 10 years or more, I would guess, played the piano as Brother Scott stood up here leading song. Have you seen the Lord today? Have you experienced his presence, his grace, his peace? I pray you have. My prayer is that we'll continue. Uh, This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at John chapter number 11. And here's what I want to say this morning about this text and this story that we are going to be going through. We're just going to look at the reality of grief. Because we are grieved. We're going to look at the reality of grief and then we're going to uh, also see Jesus in the midst of it. That's, that's simply what we want to do today. So as we read this story, I know that we are tuned to sometimes read Bible stories and, and try to kind of figure out what's right, what's wrong, who's doing the right thing. Let's just read it as reality. Let's just understand that it's showing us this is what happens in life. Uh, With that, uh, let me pray over you and Jackson. (laughs) Lord, we love you. We need you. And Lord, here's what we know is you've already already attended to us today, and we thank you for that. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would... uh, I pray for me that you would give me the words to speak that would bring us to see you in the midst of this reality of grief. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask uh, that you would uh, guide us and shepherd us. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen. We find ourselves in John chapter number 11. Um, let me set up this too right quick. John chapter number 11, it says, Now there was a certain man named Lazarus of Bethany. <clears throat> there was a certain man named Lazarus. He was of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. 
Now it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now let me just ask you a question right here. If you said, hey, I love you so much, I'll be there for you in your time of need. And then you found that you were in a time of need, or they found that they were in a time of need and they called for you and you said, yeah, I'm going to hang out for a couple more days. Would your friend think that you love them so much? Yesterday morning, I received a call at 4.45 in the morning. And at the time, things did not seem dire or tragic. They seemed very, very troubled. But uh, I, had some, uh, I had some obligations that I had set and, um, and I was torn about where to be and where to go. Uh, but we, uh, I'm, this church is not just Macaulay Austin, so I was able to call on some others and say, hey, here's the situation. Will you go be there until I can be there? And as I stepped up and they said, we'll be there. Uh, not too long after the situation turned from uh, troubled and messy to deadly. Fatal. Thankfully, the Lord gave me leave and I was able to go right away. I'm just telling you all that to say I was already torn to not be there whenever it was a messy situation. I couldn't imagine holding off and waiting the rest of the day. Jesus held off. He waited. Two days he abode. after he found out that his friend who he loved dearly was sick. This is a mystery to us, is it not? Uh, after this, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Now they had been outside on the other side of Jordan in the Judean wilderness because whenever he was in Jerusalem the last time, they uh, wanted to kill him. And so Jesus went and he was doing some teaching and some ministering to his disciples away. And he said, let's go back into Judea. And his disciples said unto him, Master or teacher, the Jews of late sought to stone thee and you go there again? Hey, your life's at stake here, buddy. Why would you go back? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in one day? Uh, this is just a different timing that they had. Uh, they would talk about the daytime being from the time that the sun went up to the time that the sun went down. He's not, uh, he, he's not being scientific with how we number our days 24 hours a, a day. He's talking about the daylight. He says, if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. 
These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Because they didn't understand that Jesus wasn't speaking about sleep literally, but metaphorically. And verse 13 says, but Jesus really spoke of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. Aren't those hard words to utter? We do something different, don't we? They passed. They went home to be with the Lord. And these are true, kind, comforting words to say. But our friend Scott is dead. That jars you a bit, doesn't it? Jesus said, hey, he's sleeping. He passed. Oh, where'd he pass by to? No, 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 no. Our friend is dead. Jesus said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, and we forget this story about Thomas. We remember another story about Thomas, but we forget this one. He said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Lazarus is dead. They're trying to kill Jesus last time we were there. Jesus, are we sure we want to go back into that territory? All right. Let's go, even if we have to die with him. Then Jesus, then when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been laying in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany was really near to Jerusalem. It was only about 15 furlongs. I think that's probably just a few miles. Um, and uh, many of the Jews, many of the people from Jerusalem, from Judea, Jews there is not just the, 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 the general term for all people of the tribe of Abraham. It is for this particular group of people who are from Judea at this point in the text. And many Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. And then when Martha came unto Jesus, she said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. We can almost hear her saying, but that's not good enough. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you really believe this? Do you really trust this, Martha? Do you really believe this, church? We know Martha's answer. 
Yea, Lord, I believe. When we're grieved, and this might be point number one, we really come, the reality of grief comes with us having to face this question. Do we really believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that it was revealed that Jesus is who he said he was through the resurrection? See, a lot of people get our faith a lot of times people go, yeah, I believe I'm going to go to heaven. That's what my faith's about. That's not what our faith's about. Our faith is about believing in who Jesus is. And our faith is rooted in the fact that Jesus, it was revealed, he was revealed to be truly who he was because he was raised from death. See, the story shows a man who was acquainted with sorrows and many griefs, so we find acquaintance with him today, who everybody thought was a stricken of God. And they judged, hey, you, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not honoring God, you're not living for God, you're actually blaspheming God. And they sentenced him to death. And God, through the resurrection, vindicated Jesus. Through the resurrection, God says, no, 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 no. That truly is my son. And then he ascended to the right hand of the father where he rules and reigns even today. And one day he will come again. And when he comes, resurrection is coming with him. Amen. We can say that as a statement of faith. But Jesus asked us today in our grief, do you really believe this? The reality of grief is that it presses this question upon us. Do we really believe? Another point that we can find in this, and we're going to see it again here in a moment, is uh, in grief, we judge how things should have gone. You and I don't want to actually confess this. We don't want to face it. Any time those questions rise up, you and I want to suppress them. The fact of the matter is, is Mary came and said, Jesus, I think this is how it should have gone. And Jesus said, oh my goodness, Mary, how dare you? Jesus said, I know you think that. Guess what? You and I make judgments in our grief. We judge what should have gone on years before that could have changed the outcome. And if you're honest with yourself, you've done it already. We judge, well, you know, God's, God's working in all this. My friend even already confessed to me. He said yesterday, I was just going, God, why did this have to happen like this? Why did you allow such things? Here's what I think is beautiful about this story. This story doesn't say, oh, she judged Jesus and she questioned him and Jesus Smacked her right in the face. Said, how dare you? Do you not know who I am? Here's what I love. Here's, and this is what I would encourage you with. You have judgments. You can bring them to Jesus. You could say, I think it should have gone this way. I don't understand why it didn't happen this way. Because in my understanding, in my reasoning, if this, this, and this would have happened, that's what she said. If you would have come sooner, this wouldn't have happened. 
We judge in our grief, but here's the other thing that I know of us in our current day. We are really scared to bring those judgments to Jesus. And we go, I can't believe Martha did that. And the story tells us in her grief, in her sorrow, and the reality of it, she took what she thought should have happened to Jesus. And here's what I want y'all to see about this. That's not just because we have the right to go tell Jesus what to do. That opened her up for Jesus actually speaking to her. See, whenever I, whenever I hold it within myself, whenever I suppress that question, whenever I go, oh, I shouldn't be judging it. Guess what? That judgment doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't die. You, you know what she opens herself up to? Jesus saying, that's not right. I know you think that that should have happened that way. But that's not the way that it happened. And the point is not even how it happened. The point is what can be done through it. And that's what Jesus reveals to her here. Something can be done about this, Martha. Don't you know? Life can come where death was, don't you know? So we're pressed with the question, do we really believe? We have to acknowledge that we have judgments about all of this stuff. We can take those to Jesus. And when we do, it opens us up to him speaking to us and not us chastising ourselves or trying to trying to figure out the better answer that we can bring to Jesus ourselves. We allow Jesus through his spirit to speak to us. We'll continue in the story in verse number 27. Martha said unto Jesus, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. That's the the title of the anointed one. You are the son of God. That's another title or uh, statement saying, you know, you are the, 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 the king that God has sent us. You're the anointed Messiah, which should come into the world. And when she had uh, so said, she went her way and she called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master has come and calleth for thee. So Mary is there with a group of grievers and mourners, and Jesus wants to have a private word with Mary. Here's the deal. Jesus is going to meet with us in a group, but he also will have some private words with us as well. This is another reality about grief that I think that we should uh, understand is that you and I will find some quiet moments with the Lord where he wants to meet with us. I can tell you this this morning. As I was praying and thinking about what needed to be said, it was really hard for me, but I said, I need to stop reading scripture. I need to stop looking at, you know, you know, looking for resources. I need to sit and be still with the Lord. And I set a timer for 15 minutes. And it was agony <laughs> to let my mind and my heart say, I'm not going to speak to myself. I'm not going to go find the answers. I'm going to sit in quiet and stillness before the Lord. I'm going to meet with him and try to parse out his voice. So 
Mary arose and she quickly went to Jesus. Now, Jesus had not actually entered into the town yet, but was in that place where Martha met him. And then the Jews which were with her in the house, the ones who came to comfort her, when they saw Mary, that she got up hastily and went out, they followed her saying, oh, she's going into the grave to weep there. And when Mary was come, where Jesus was, and she saw him, she fell down at his feet, and she said unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Again, that judgment comes up. I know how this should have gone or how it could have gone, and I don't understand why it didn't go the way that I can reason it, God. Jesus? Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews also were weeping, which came with her. And this text says, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, there is a lot to this statement. I will not get into all of the arguments, all of the discussion, all the commentary on it. But I want to say, if you see a human moment in Jesus, don't just look to Jesus wept. Look at this moment right here. Throughout the book of John, Jesus has been trying to reveal that he's the son of God. And he's done this through miracles. He's not trying to say, hey, I'm the guy who does miracles if you ask me to do miracles. Right? A lot of people want to say that's what faith is. We just trust that Jesus will do miracles. No, faith is trusting in who Jesus is. Right. Period. Full stop. That he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That that's been revealed through his death, burial, resurrection. He's at the right hand of the Father. He will come again one day and he will restore this world. He will raise up the dead and he will set this rule under his uh, this world under his rule, which is a rule of shalom, peace. Me trusting in Jesus is not, I, if I trust really good, I won't have a bad day. If I trust really good, this tragedy that we've experienced yesterday and will continue to live in for a while would have never happened. Jesus has been very adamant about this in john's gospel he's adamant about it in all the gospels in fact in john chapter number six if you remember a lot of people left him because jesus had fed people five thousand people the next day they ran to him they found ways to get to him they went by boat and they went by land and they found jesus on the other side of the shore and jesus said you only came here because you wanted to get fed again <sighs> oy vey in good Jewish parlance. And Jesus said, you're missing it. And then he challenged them with really truly trusting in who he was and they couldn't wrap their minds around it. And John 6, 66 says, many walked away, forsook him and followed him no more. So when Jesus looks at all these people coming out, it's, he's not upset that people are grieved. He never said to Martha, how dare you cry? You're supposed to put on a happy face because we're the happy, clappy Christians. When Mary came out, he didn't go, oh. He saw the mourners coming with Mary. 
because we're going to keep her mourning. And we're going to mourn like there's no hope. And Jesus goes, they still don't get it. They still don't see who is in the midst of them. They still don't understand who I am. And here's the thing. If they would have understood at any of these points who Jesus was, we have to understand they probably wouldn't have taken him to a cross. They would have heralded him as king. Not in the wrong way because he fed their bellies, but because they knew he was truly the son of God. The one to be trusted even if Lazarus died. But instead, they come a morning thinking there's no hope, not understanding even at that moment who is in their midst. And Jesus, as most commentaries say, groaned in the spirit and troubled is some light language. He was angry and he was frustrated at the whole scenario. He's tired, humanly speaking. And so Jesus says, show me the grave. Uh, I will say this. We know who Jesus is, but let's know who we are. While we want to hold on to our faith and our hope and our goodness, we should know that sometimes we grieve not really considering who Jesus is. That's a reality. You're going to go through it. We're going to go, there's no hope in this situation. And I'm going to tell you, humanly speaking, it's a hopeless situation. Right. So that might be point number four or wherever we're at. He said, uh, show me where you laid him. And they said, Lord, come see. Jesus came and he wept. And the Jews commented, look how much he loved him. And some of them judged. Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Couldn't he have been here sooner? Couldn't he have stopped it? I don't know if y'all know this. Another thing that's happening here is we see the expectations of all the people. Mary expected, his mother expected him to work early on. We still see this happening even late into Jesus' ministry. People are still judging. People are still expecting. I want to press upon this point again because I, we really have to understand we do this a lot. Like when Jesus says, judge not lest thou be judged, it was necessary for him to say that because we're judgy people. If you don't know that, I don't know how you could not know it. That's the, that's the fact of the matter is you get like, well, how do we have CNN and Fox News? Because we're judgy people. It's not because one knows the right answer and one doesn't. It's because we're judgy people. And we feel judged as people. And when you feel judged, you love it, don't you? You're like, that's right. That's what everybody should do. They all judge. Man, this guy who did all this stuff, he could have still done that. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. Now, I think Jesus is weeping, 
and his groaning, this humanity that's on display here is not one direction. It's a mixed bag. You can't parse it out and go, well, this is what the real reason is. It's all so grievous to him. I will say this. You and I are not grieving over one thing. It is all so grievous to us. And what we can take hope and comfort in when we are grieved is this is what I want us to see is Jesus is grieved right along with us. That's the reality of your grief. You do not grieve alone. The Father grieves with you. The Son grieves with you. The Spirit grieves with you. Oh man, the Spirit couldn't grieve. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, you think that we are crying and that creation is crying? Guess what? The Spirit utters groanings which cannot be uttered When you and I can't make sense of it all, guess what? We're not alone. <sighs> Jesus, therefore groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Mary, uh, Martha, his, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. That says, Jesus, you could have done it if he had just barely died, but he's been really, really dead right now. Jesus, you could have done something if this situation wasn't so terrible, but I don't see how you can do anything in this right now. You and I will find ourselves in grief with a bit of hopelessness and despair. In a situation that presents itself to us as a church, that presents itself to Karen Risch and to Christopher Risch, seems like a hopeless situation. There's no bones about that. And in our grief, we will say, I cannot see how anything of light and life and joy and peace and hope can come of this because it is so devastating. It stinks. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto you, if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Again, that question presses in on us. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And that whosoever believes in me shall not see death, but have everlasting life? Do you believe? I know it stinks. Do you believe? And when they took the stone away from the place where the dead was laid, Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that thou hear, uh, that you hear me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have really sent me. I don't even have to say this prayer out loud, but I'm saying it for these people who are struggling in their belief. You know, in the reality of your grief, God will attend to you. Things that God, that God will condescend to you. 
He will come and he will meet you where you're at. That's a beautiful truth. Hey, listen, God, I, I shouldn't have to do this, but for you, so that you will trust in me, I will come to you and I will meet you right where you're at. That's awesome. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God cares for us. So here's what I want to say. If you're struggling in your belief, guess what? God doesn't go, well, you better get it right. God goes, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to help you believe, to help you see, to help you trust what you confess, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God is so good. God is so good. This is why our faith cannot be established upon you and you and me. We don't establish our faith. Our faith is established upon God because he does everything that he can do to open our eyes to see who he is. Even when it's beneath him. That's what's so beautiful about God. The God that you and I could imagine would never do anything that's beneath him. But the God who has revealed himself in Jesus, the one who is true, the lion who acts like a lamb, does that which is beneath him. For your sake and for my sake. Do my people say, thank you, Lord. <sighs> and when he had spoken this, he cried with a loud voice and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. So Lazarus woke up. Life came out of death. Let's think about this as a historical reality. I believe that Lazarus at that time actually rose from death. Uh, let's understand this as a metaphor as well. In a spiritual reason. Uh, a couple things. Jesus said earlier, Lazarus died, and that death is not just to be dead, it's to be glory to God. You and I will die. God has died. We will die. And I will say that's to bring glory to God because God is going to resurrection. And that's where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Right? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. But we can also look at it as a spiritual reality and know this. God is able to make something new and bring life in this deadly, harrowing, tragic, incomprehensible circumstance. Karen's life to us seems like death. She has lost everything. Do we really believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Christopher's life. All we can see is death. Do we believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Even so, 
the Spirit says, come Lord Jesus. Even so, the church says, come Lord Jesus. It's really interesting. There's not a lot of great fanfare after this. There's people walking around going, wow. I don't know what I just experienced. Here's what I will say. People were surprised in that moment. In a reality that happens when you and I are grieving is we will be surprised by God's mercies that we can confess are new each and every morning. Every time they come, we're like, wow, God did that. We don't know what to say about it necessarily. Here's what I would encourage us with. Even though we believe that he is the resurrection and life, we don't know how he's going to bring life out of this death. So we will be surprised. We will be shocked. We will be marveled. It will be a marvel to us what God has done and is able to do. Now, Brother Mitch always says this, when God works, he never does it in one direction. There's always multiple prongs to his working. Right, Brother Mitch? And so life isn't going to come in one direction. My brothers and my sisters, we are grieved. We are grieved and we, and we are processing with the way that we think things should have gone. We are processing with the reality that they've gone that way and we could have not only could humans have done other things, God, you could have allowed things to happen different. Well, you and I are judging in our grief how it should have happened. I invite you to say to Jesus, this is where I think should have happened. And I invite you to say that with an open ear to Jesus saying, okay, let's talk about it. Uh, you and I, when we are grieved, you and I who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, when we are grieved, the challenge really comes to us. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? That Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And you and I, and the reality of our grief, will go through a journey where we come against that question over and over and over again. Jesus is faithful. God is faithful. The Spirit is faithful. He will meet us right where we're at in our grief. He might even have to get below himself. But guess what? He's the God who gets below himself. To meet you. And to attend to you. And to open your eyes. Because he wants you to see. Not only that he is the resurrection and the life. But the new life that he's going to bring about through this.
sergeant with the Brazoria County Sheriff's Department. He had to be, uh, he, was, um, he was overseeing this investigation. He had to bring news to Miss Karen, and he had to bring news to Christopher. His shoulders were, are broad, and they bear a lot all the time. He's never had to carry something this heavy. But he did so with such faith, grace, and courage. I'm so proud of him. I told him yesterday, I said, I'm really glad that you're not a youth pastor. Because <laughs> he was one time set to be my youth pastor. I'm glad he's where he's at, and I'm proud of him. But I want you all to be praying for him as well. Church, look around. We all need each other. Let's be praying for one another. My brothers and my sisters, let us depart from this place with a confession on our lips. We believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that all who trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Will y'all join me with that? We believe. We believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that all who trust in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Lord, be with us as we go. Help us to be what we need to be for Miss Karen and the family. Help us be what we need to be for each other. Lord, meet us in our grief. Attend to us with all of our questions, all of our doubts, all of our dismays. Be merciful unto us, dear Father. And Lord, I pray and I ask that you would equip us so that we could be the people who walk with a vibrant trust and a vibrant hope that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Might we not only look for your resurrection life in the midst of this death, might we be the ones through whom your resurrection life comes. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. And to my brothers and my sisters, I say, may we go in peace.